Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Charles Sabansi from the Dreamers Pro Show, and we want to welcome you guys to the Dreamers Pro Podcast, where we cover everything from sports, hot topics, classic debates, entertainment, and where we give you guys a fresh perspective on things and how we see them. Now, let's get started with the first topic of today's show. As you guys know, well, maybe some of you guys don't know, uh, yesterday there was a game that took place between uh, the Los Angeles Clippers and the Orlando Magic. I watched maybe the first quarter of that game, and I saw that we're down, and I'm like, I'm not going to stay up all the way to the end to watch the ending of, the ending of this game, but I'm just going to assume that the Clippers are going to win this game. So when I woke up, I saw that the Clippers won the game uh, pretty decisively, although Kawhi Leonard and these guys had a horrendous shooting night. It was Paul George that got hot, but Norman Powell got hot in the first half. And he was able to kind of jumpstart their offense, right? So they won the game all well and dandy. So what happened? At the end of the game, uh, you know, as as it normally happens at the end of the game, players and coaches or coach speaks to the press. So they were, you know, they were talking to various players. And then they got to the point where they were interviewing Paul George. Um, And as you guys know, the Lakers are actually going to be facing off against the Clippers tonight. And funny enough, that's a game that I was I was unaware that they were going to be playing them this soon, right? I was unaware of that, but to me, it's going to be great because I'm going to watch the game. I can't, I mean, I can't wait to see it. It's always, uh, you know, great TV to see the Lakers play against uh, the Clippers. So they're going to be playing against them. And then the, you know, one of the members in the press essentially asked Paul George to weigh in on how, you know, Russell Westbrook's legacy has taken a hit. Uh, ever since he joined the Los Angeles Lakers, and to my surprise, Paul George essentially went after the Lakers meet uh, the Lakers media or the media that covers the Lakers, and essentially ripped them for trying to tarnish the legacy of Russell Westbrook. So what we want to do is want to play a little bit of what Paul George had to say about that, and we'll come back and continue on. Take a listen to that. Paul, uh, I remember this time last year, um, season over, you guys played the Lakers, Russell missed every shot, played hard and missed every shot. You still was, you noticed his joy wasn't there. Um, obviously that February, you advocated for him to be here. He's still here. What was it about his time with, with, with the Lakers that you saw that the player was still there, even if the performance, the numbers weren't quite matching up, the narrative wasn't quite matching up? Uh, I mean, he just did it. He just did it in Washington. Um, no one was saying none of this when he was in Washington. Um, and he goes to the Lakers and completely, you know, he's done, he's this, he's washed, he's, you know, just all these narratives started to float around. Um, and he literally just was the same player um, that he is with us, with Washington. He had a great stretch in Houston, right after Oklahoma. Um, and so 
um, I just knew he still had it. Like that was still in him. Uh, but being on his side and his teammate in Oklahoma, I just um, the way he plays the game is just you know is in his comfort zone. Um, and I saw he just wasn't comfortable uh, when he was in with the Lakers. Um, you could just see it on him. You know that uh, there's so many battles he was fighting. Um, and so you know I. I I was the first to defend him. You know, I knew that wasn't uh, the finished product of of what Russ is. Um, I knew he had a lot more basketball in him, and uh, I knew he could help us. Uh, that's the reason I was the first to stick my neck out and, and vouch for him because I knew he could help us. So you heard what Paul George had to say, but it didn't stop there. So as the interviews were going on, they actually asked uh, Russell Westbrook to weigh in on you know facing his former team tonight. So what we want to do is want to quickly play uh, what Russell Westbrook had to say about facing off with his former team in the Lakers, and we'll come back and really get into this topic here. So take a listen to that there. <clears throat> Russ, you, obviously tomorrow's a, a, a big game, not just for you, but uh, the team has rallied around you. Right? You led them pretty much since you got here in February. Uh, I know you got your own emotions, but how do you get the team prepared to play, play for you when you know that's naturally going to happen? Um, you said get the team you ready to play 40? For you. Oh, um, you know, I think one thing about it, so many unselfish guys in this locker room since day one and in the organization that um, they rallied behind me since day one, as you mentioned. And um, every night I try to give everything I have to make sure that um, I'm supporting them. Um, and as long as they do their part, I'll make sure I continue doing my part night in and night out. And, you know, that's all you can ask for. Uh, people talk about how you 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 look happier yeah. since you've come over to the Clippers. Why is that? That everybody says this, and, and also you look at that you look happier than where you were before you got. <laughs> <laughs> well, long long list, but we don't got enough time for that today. But honestly, man, I think um, one I'm I'm just. And I know I reiterate this, but I'm I'm very grateful for an opportunity and a team that wanted me during a tough time, um, just overall for myself and basketball-wise, um, being able to come to a spot where I was embraced and um, felt, you know, welcome. And from then, I, I I told myself that I will give and like I've always done, give everything I have and be the best I can possibly be. And um, this game is supposed to be fun. Like I, that's that's who I am. That's the energy I bring. That's um, the game that I've grown to love since I was little. And um, that joy to me is what makes me who I am. Um, and I'm will continue that and, and continue giving everything I have and make sure I keep smiling. I've always back when I was in uh, Oklahoma. Uh, I had one talk before the game with, with Coach uh, Scotty Brooks, and he always. <clears throat> I thought he was about to like get on me about something. He just told me simply, like, just smile. When you smile, you play better. Your energy's better. Um, and I, he knows that I don't really like to be smiling a lot during the games, but um, I always keep that in my mind when I get sidetracked, just making sure I'm smiling and um, make sure my energy's in the right place and it rubs up on my teammates. So. So you heard what Russell Westbrook uh, had to say. Now let me get into the to the meat and potatoes of this particular show here. Some people crack up when I say the meat and potatoes, but whatever. The fact of the matter is simply this: before Russell Westbrook joined um, the Los Angeles Lakers, 
Uh, Russell Westbrook was a formidable player. The year before he joined the Lakers, let me give you Russell Westbrook's stats. That year, he averaged 22 points per game. He shot 44% uh, from the field with the Washington Wizards. He shot 31% from the three. He shot 65.6% from the field. He got you 11 rebounds, 11.5 rebounds, 11.7 assists. He did have 4.8 turnovers, and he had 1.4 steals, and he helped lead that team into the playing tournament. And they were floundering uh, you know, when he got there. The following season, he joins the Lakers. His numbers take a hit, uh, and the Lakers don't even make it into the playing tournament. And Russell Westbrook was then deemed, um, you know, the 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 number one problem cause or problem child for the Lakers. And it wasn't just, you know, fans saying it, it was really the media. People like Skip Bayless, people like Dave McMenamin, uh, who referred to him as a vampire. And it seemed like the entire Lakers media machine kicked in. And started to absolutely destroy Russell Westbrook in the public. And it got so bad that to the point where Russell Westbrook ultimately went to the bench and he ultimately moved him, he wasn't able to basically get a big contract from a team again. Because this year, I think he's play, he signed a two-year contract, paying him, I believe, $7 million for two years. A guy that was earning over $40 million, uh, is now earning $7 million. And, of course, you see the, the disrespect continue. In various news publications, the NBA just recently, the ESPN just recently released its 100 player ranking and they rank Russell Westbrook at the ni- as the 93rd uh, player. The fact of the matter is simply this the Lakers needed a scapegoat. Uh, and Russell Westbrook was the perfect candidate. And they did every single thing to tarnish his legacy. But here's the thing that 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 um I think I've noticed, and it's a and it's a glaring bit of hypocrisy. Russell Westbrook for the Clippers this year has been playing very well for them. As a matter of fact, in four games, he's scoring 13 points per game on 56% shooting from the field. Um, let me see. Yeah, on 56, uh, what is it? Yeah, 56% uh, shooting from the field. He's shooting 33% from the three. His free throw shooting percentage is horrendous. He's shooting 40%, but he's only attempting 1.3 uh, free throws. So I'll look at that when the volume increases. He's getting you seven rebounds, 6.8 assists, only 3.3 turnovers, and 1.8 steals. Now, what the box score doesn't capture is his activity, his energy, the ability for him, uh, his ability to push the pace, and just overall bringing a better, uh, overall better vibe to that team in terms of his leadership and just his presence, which they absolutely love. And everyone is speaking highly of him, starting from the coach all the way down uh, to the players. And what I've noticed is that Russell Westbrook now rarely gets any media coverage because he's playing well. But if Russell Westbrook starts to play poorly, all of a sudden Skip Bayless and all of these bozos would jump on television and start criticizing the guy. And I think that's what Paul George is talking about. You can actually see the hypocrisy right in front of your face. The fact of the matter is, is if, is, if Russell Westbrook was underperforming, these people will be ripping him in the media, basically saying that he's a plague to whatever team that he goes to. The fact of the matter is Russell Westbrook was already going to go, go into the Hall of Fame before he joined the Lakers. He was already a top 75 guy before he joined the Lakers. And my question is, how did he get bad all of a sudden? The fact of the matter is that he was a very poor fit with the Lakers, period, end of story. But what I have noticed with the Lakers, and maybe it's the way that the media covers them, maybe it's the way it's the fans, uh, it's a little bit too stressful, to be honest with you, to be a Lakers fan. Because one day they win they win a game, or they win two games in a row, they're going to win a championship. They lose another game, oh my God, this team is terrible. And that's, a, that's such a ridiculous way to be as a fan. When one day the sky is falling, the next day is all... It's all roses and, and, and the butterflies are blooming all over the place. That's that's a ridiculous way to live as a fan. 
right? But that's what it is. The Lakers lose a game, and now all of a sudden, what kind of team is this? Is like I recently listened to Stephen A. Smith give two of the most ridiculous takes on consecutive days. One day he said LeBron James is the Lakers' best player, and they cannot win with Anthony Davis. The very next day, they can win the championship if Anthony Davis plays like this. What? What? This is crazy. And what's going to happen is if the Lakers don't perform well this season, which I don't project them doing, I project them to actually be a very good team, then what's going to happen is they're going to blame somebody else. It's just the way it goes over there. If it's not, now it's not Westbrook, now it's going to be AD. If they trade AD, they're going to be blaming the janitor. It's going to be, it always has to be something. It can't be that you played a team and you lost and that team was better than you that night. It has to be, oh my God, the sky is falling. How are we going to come together and think? It's just, to me, it's just, it's just absolutely crazy. And I'm glad that Russell Westbrook got the hell up out of there. You know, uh, yesterday I heard something quite ridiculous. And y'all let me know. Uh, Nick Wright, after the trade, even though I had some questions about this James Harden trade, Nick Wright said that he believes that the Clippers are, are going to be a playing team this year. That they're one of the bottom teams in the NBA and the Western Conference. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, he definitely believes that the Lakers are going to be better. Uh, we should wait and see as well because the Lakers have one more day of rest in the Clippers. They're most likely going to play back to back. So if according to Nick Wright, I think the Lakers should win this game decisively since the since the Clippers are going to be a playing team. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. Uh, the latest bit of news is that, um, you know, they're subpoenaing, subpoena, they're trying to subpoena some text messages. Uh, you know, the court tried to subpoena them to, to gain, gain some old text messages from 2017 and I believe 2020. Um, and they're kind of having that legal back and forth. But before we even got to this point, when this news initially broke, um, it was brought to the attention of Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp when Shannon Sharp used to work at FS1. And when it was brought to their attention, they actually discussed it on FS1. Um, and when Shannon Sharp had an opportunity to kind of weigh in on you know, what the case was saying, some of the information that it was saying that about $77 million had been misappropriated, um, that was supposed to be it was supposed to be funds that was supposed to be allocated for families in need. And somehow uh, it got misappropriated and somehow Brett Favre found himself uh, entangled within this lawsuit. And Shannon Sharp absolutely went off on him. Right. And he, you know, he basically questioned his character and, you know, how he could be connected to such a story. And uh, that's really where all of this you know, you know kicked off. With Brett Favre and uh, Shannon Sharp. So what we want to do is we want to play some of the original comments because it's really at the center of all of this. We want to play the original comments that Shannon Sharp made on FS1 about Brett Favre when the news broke. And then we're going to come back and continue on the show. Take a listen to that there. Shannon, how much do you think this could tarnish Brett Favre's legacy? Well, I don't think none can tarnish it. Because if you go back and look at his history when he played in the NFL, it should have tarnished it already. I talked to people that was in the room when Brett Favre went to the Hall of Fame and nobody mentioned about text messages that he sent to that jet masseuse. Mm. Nobody mentioned anything about the addiction that he suffered from. But yeah. yet, T.O., they brought up everything. Can you imagine if T.O. would have had an incident, incidents like Brett Favre off the field? T.O. still, to this day right now, would not be in the Hall of Fame. Yet they walked right past it like Brett Favre did nothing. That is true. I the, give you that. The problem that I have with this situation, yep. you got to be a sorry mofo mm. to steal from the lowest of the low. Skip, they, they, Mississippi is the poorest state in our country. It is. It's citizens. So if they're the poorest state, Brett Favre is taken from the, 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 uh, uh, the underserved. 
You made a hundred plus million dollars in the NFL. And the about what he didn't know. This is what Brett Favre takes. If you were to pay me, is there any way the media can find out where it came from and how much? So if you gotta ask your, if you gotta ask this question, is there any way the media can find out? You already know you're doing something wrong. The mere fact that you don't want anybody to know. So you know you're doing something wrong. And Skip, he wanted to seem so imp- so, so philanthropic. He wanted to change the perception of the narrative. He take money for some damn volleyball arena. Well, his his, his daughter, daughter played. So, mm-hmm. so but yo, oh, you see what Brad Favre did for his album model? Mm-hmm. No, he didn't get no money. Came out of his pocket. He stole money from people that really needed that money. Yep. Man, this is this is embarrassing. And he not only went Ted DiBiase, a former wrestler, even Marcus Dupree. A great running back at your old the school that you loved, that you loved growing up, Oklahoma. He got money. How can you got to be really low to take from the poorest of the poor? To, Brad, you ain't got enough money. Okay, Skip, listen. You don't, okay, you know you're not supposed to have this. But how about go give the damn speeches? Mm-hmm. They're paying you to give speeches and you didn't even give the speeches. And now you won't even pay the money back. And they fired one of the guys that, that, that say he tried to recoup the money. They fired him to about when he was a Clinton appointee. It, it was political. Yep. Shouldn't you get the money back have nothing to do with politics? The man got the... And this is what we know. Skill, when black and brown people do, do fraud the government, they do it. They hell bent. Mm-hmm. You get an EBT card and you get WIC and you get stuff like that. Boy, they move heaven and earth to try to put you in jail for 400 little measly dollars. Fact. Now this man done took a million dollars. Somebody got three million. Somebody got 400,000. Yep. And they sitting around like, well, well, you know, it, it happened and we'll see. And they're going to get more money and do it all over again. And to your point, the Mississippi Department of Human Services had to file a civil lawsuit against Brett Favre because he had not paid back the interest he owed on the $1.1 million that he was fraudulently given right. for giving no speeches. Right. right? And he won't even okay. pay the, the $1.1 back. He won't even pay the interest on the money. Right. It's two hundred twenty-eight. Thousand dollars. I mean, you got you, you got to be really low. Yeah, you got to be really low. And 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 people and 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 and, and politicians, you got to be really low too to know that this money is supposed to go to the most underserved, and you take it and give it to people that's made millions or got millions or have the upper, the potential to make millions, and you're willing to do that. You're willing to let your people starve. You let your people go underserved. And Brett Favre, you took this money. Ain't nothing. Good. Skip. This is what we know. Yeah. If people like you, there is nothing you can do to turn them against you. So that's what Shannon Sharp originally had to say. Now, when Shannon Sharp went out there and said that, obviously, it gained a lot of attention. So what then happened was Brett Favre and his legal team then filed a lawsuit against Shannon Sharp and Pat McAfee for uh, for defamation. Right. So they filed that lawsuit and it was kind of pending in court until yesterday that the news broke that the lawsuit uh, had finally been dismissed. Uh, and what I want to play here is Shannon Sharp himself on his on his show. I think it's Club Shay Shay or Nightcap, the, the club that he, the, the club, the show that he has with um, Chad Ochocinco, where he basically broke the news that, you know, the courts essentially throughout the case. So what we want to do is want to play uh, exactly what Shannon Sharp had to say about, you know, this legal matter. And then want to come back and give you guys our thoughts. Take a listen to what Shannon had to say here. Um, I had some good news today. Um, the United States District Court of Southern District of Mississippi. Uh-huh. Dismiss Brett Favre's lawsuit, uh, defamation lawsuit against me today. The court found that my my speech right. was First Amendment protected. Yes, sir. Uh, he sued myself and a few other oh. people, Pat McAfee, 
And uh 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 but Pat McAfee apologized, issued an apology. Mm-hmm. Me, I wasn't gonna issue an apology because if I'd have issued an apology, I'd have felt I had done something wrong. Right. So you now, wrong. now he could have said, Well, see, he apologized. He wouldn't mm-hmm. have apologized if he didn't feel he had done anything wrong. So right. I was gonna take it to the highest court in the land. The thing that I had on my side is Shannon mm-hmm. got some pretty deep pockets, also. Yeah. So I ain't have no I ain't have no problems. Mm-hmm. Had a had a very, very good law firm out right. of DC and Mississippi. Yes, that, sir. That presented my case. And so it is what it is. I'm glad it's behind me. I get an right. opportunity to focus on other things. Right. Hopefully, Congrats. Congrats. Congratulations. Congratulations. The, the people in Mississippi will have, hopefully the people in Mississippi have their day in court and mm. everything gets worked out about what transpired down there. Mm. That's a good thing. It's, it's, it's a That's great, a good thing. It's, it's, a, it's a great thing. It's a great thing. Because yeah. you, like I said, you don't know. You know, you think what you said was, was First Amendment protected, but you never know. Yeah. That's the one thing about court. And if it has to go to court, you go to a trial, you got 12 men and women that, mm-hmm. you know, they say a jury appears, but ain't no NFL, NBA, or MB, nah. MLB player. Those are my peers. Guys, right. you know, guys that are in a certain uh, uh, economic bracket. Mm-hmm. So, but you're getting 12 civilians from different walks of life and right. you don't know what they hear. You don't right. know what they're thinking. And so mm-hmm. I'm glad, I'm glad it wor- worked itself out. I'm glad this is behind me and uh, I can move on with my life and, uh, Whatever transpired, like I said, I just hope the people in Mississippi have their day in court. So you heard what Shannon Sharp had to say there. Now, um, here are my thoughts. First of all, I'm happy that the courts dismissed this case. Number two, Shannon Sharp said in that audio that he had the wherewithal in terms of the resources to be able to fight such a case. So good for him, (laughs) you know, being able to afford a great legal team to fight back. Uh, He also said that Pat McAfee issued an apology but he refused to do that. And I think that's an important point. Why? Because Shannon Sharp wasn't convicting Brett Favre. He didn't say that you did this. It was all based on the news that came out. It wasn't like as if it was Shannon Sharp going out and saying, here, saying, here, these are my findings. It was like no report was put out, not only by Shannon Sharp, but also by ESPN. ESPN is the one that actually broke the report. And they had this extensive report on their website that you guys can go and read. We read it a few days ago. So it wasn't like as if it was him that was out there trying to break the story. He was reacting to some information that came out and he gave his opinions about the person. Now, is he not allowed to do that? Is he not allowed to have an opinion? Does he have to have a savory opinion of Brett Favre? This is what I'm trying to understand, right? And he was saying that, you know, his rights were amended, uh, amendment protected, which is which is great, right? Because you should be able to say what you think without slandering the per- person. I don't think that's what he was doing. He just took a very, very strong position based on the way he saw things. And if Brett Favre were to win that case, it will set a pretty scary precedent because now if you go out there and say something or you weigh in on a particular thing, any old Joe can just stand up and sue you and say, hey, well, you're trying to publicly defame me. So I'm very happy that, that, that Shannon Sharp won that case because he was he was allowed to give his opinion. Uh, and I think that's important. In the case of Brett Favre, I think Brett Favre should spend less time uh, on what Shannon Sharp had to say and more time focusing on, on the actual legal matters at hand. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. Yesterday, um, we found out that James Harden uh, was being traded to the Clippers. Now, initially, when this was being discussed as a possibility, I, like many people, were against the idea. 
Um, as you guys know, yes, James Harden is a very good basketball player, but we were questioning his commitment uh, to organizations. As you guys know, he changed three teams in three years uh, successfully. And now I'm saying to myself, you want to bring James Harden to the Clippers? Why? The team is already fully loaded. I think they had the right complement of players on the roster. So I didn't understand why they I didn't understand why the Clippers felt the need to bail out uh James Harden and bring him to their roster, uh bring him to their team and their roster. But anyway, the trade went down and the Clippers moved off from Nicholas Batum, Marcus Moore Sr., um, Kenny Martin Jr. And yesterday we saw Kenny Martin have a very emotional response, which took 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 me off guard. Uh but it really shows you the other side of the business, you know, how these decisions affect um, families that are connected to these players. So they made that move, and then various people now started weighing in on it. Tim Legler seemed to be unmoved by it. Charles Barkley seems to not have a particular position on it. But Draymond Green uh, of the Golden State Warriors seems to believe that, seems to believe, excuse me, uh, that this Clipper team is going to be very formidable, as you was talking to Ernie Johnson from TNT. So what we want to do is I want you guys to take a listen, take a quick listen. It's about a minute or so clip. Take a quick listen to Draymond Green talking about the Clippers, and then we'll come back and continue on with the show. Take a listen to that there. James Harden's a Clipper now. So what's your view of L.A. as a rival in the Western Conference? When you put those names on paper, they'll be as good as any names you can put together. You're talking four first ballot Hall of Famers, two MVPs, one finals MVP, a perennial all-star. You can't put much else better on paper. They're also getting older, just like us. I think all of those guys are probably in year 14 or 15 or above. Kawhi's Clay here, so it's 13. And so health will be important as well. And even around those guys, you know, they still got Zubox. They still got Norman Powell. Mm -hmm. Still got Bones Highland. P.J. Tucker in on that deal, too, with Harden. And then they also have an incredible coach in Ty Lue. So there'll be a team, a force to be reckoned with. You hope to get to the end and see everybody healthy and may the best man win. But there'll be a tough team. So you heard what Draymond Green outlook is on the Clippers now to be honest with you I'm a bit surprised uh, by his take I'm actually quite shocked because most people don't feel this team is going to be very good um, obviously he is factoring the star players and I think that the way Draymond Green may be looking at it I don't want to read his mind I'm just interpreting what he said from afar I think that maybe he's viewing this as some of these players have come to to terms with the fact that they're going to have to sacrifice. And I think the players that are going to need to sacrifice the most or should sacrifice the most should be James Harden uh, and Russell Westbrook. Those are going to be the two players that are, that are going to need to make um, the biggest adjustment. Thus far, uh, Russell Westbrook has been playing very well for the Clippers this season. I think he is giving them uh, exactly what they need. The Clippers, one of the things that they've always complained about that they wish they had was a point guard uh, that could really distribute the ball and push the tempo. Uh, this season, Russell Westbrook is averaging, what, 13 points per game. But he's averaging those 13 points on 56% shooting thus far, shooting 33% from the three. And even though he's not shooting a very high three-point um, percentage, he's not really hurting your team because he's only attempting three-point three, uh, three point shots a game. That's not going to hurt a team, right? So you have to bear that in mind. He is shooting 40% from the free throw line. But to his credit, he's not attempting many free throws. He's only attempting one3 uh, in, in this truncated season thus far. Uh, he is getting you seven rebounds a game, which is excellent for a guard. So he's definitely helping them with the rebounds. And if you watch that game, uh, watch Russell Westbrook play, he's actually averaging one offensive rebound a game, which is spectacular uh, for a point guard. He's also getting you 6.8 assists to go with those seven rebounds. And only 3.3 turnover. That's the lowest amount of turnovers Russell Westbrook has had since his rookie season. 
only 3.3 turnovers and 1.8 steals. And that's the most steals he's averaged in a game since 2018, 2019. So Russell Westbrook, I believe, is checking all the box for the Clippers. Um, and I think he's already given them what they need. In the case of James Harden, um, I still don't know what role he's going to play. I personally believe James Harden. It's either going to be James Harden or Russell Westbrook going to be a part of that second unit. Now, I like the activity that Russell Westbrook gives the Clippers in the starting lineup. I like the energy that he plays with. I like his tenacity. I like his infectious, uh, uh, what is it, energy that can also infect his teammates in a positive way. I like to have that in the starting of a game. Now, obviously, he doesn't provide you the same level of spacing uh, as a James Harden does, but James Harden doesn't provide, number one, the defense. He doesn't provide, number two, the activity. And number three, he's not going to shoot the ball. He's not going to uh, uh, um, um uh, speed up the pace for the Clippers to get easy shots for 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 other Clippers in in the transition. Once in transition, once you see Russell Westbrook attack the teeth of a defense, I mean he really collapses the defense because of his aggressiveness and gets guys a lot of clean looks. If not on the first pass, on the hockey pass, I love that, and I don't want to take that out of the lineup. I think James Harden could really help that second unit add a scoring punch off the bench to go alongside Norman Powell, uh, uh, Terrence Mann, while ultimately when he comes back, and you have Bones Highland. Um, so we have to see. The Clippers have a lot of options, and this is a good problem to have to in order to figure it out. I trust that Ty Lue is going to figure it out, but I need to see it all put together in maybe a 15 to 20 game a sample size for me to be able to then say, okay, you know what, this is this is going to be the team uh, that can really compete. As I said recently, Nick Wright thinks they're going to be a playing team. And funny enough, uh, the Lakers are going to be playing against the Clippers this season. Now, going into this season, I picked the Lakers to be one of the top seeds in the Western Conference. I still think they should be one of the top seeds in the Western Conference. I don't want to hear any excuses about this team doesn't have enough scoring. Or f I don't want to hear that. The reason being I don't want to hear this is this. You can't have it both ways. After the, after the trade deadline, everyone said that the Clippers, were, uh, excuse me, the Lakers, after some time, were a good team. For God's sakes, they made it to the Western Conference Finals. You got to be a good, unless you're telling me it's a fluke. So they were good enough to make it to the Western Conference Finals. They got a little deeper. They got a little better in the offseason. Granted, LeBron got a little bit older as a year older. But nevertheless, they're still a very good deep team. And they have, you know, um, a, a really good coaching staff. Now, some people disagree with that. I think they were good enough to get to the Western Conference Finals last season. So I don't want to hear this talk about the Lakers are not good. I'm not interested in hearing that talk. Because to me, it just seems like another way to build more excuses. Like it has to be, there must always be an excuse. To me, the Lakers are a good team. Until proven otherwise. Last time we saw the, the Lakers, they were in the Western Conference Finals playing against the, the the team that ultimately won the championship. And they lost, yes, four games in a row, but they were very competitive games. So um, I think the Lakers are going to be good. But some people feel that the Clippers are maybe going to fall off the map. I don't think so. I'm just a little bit trepidatious in terms of making a prediction or taking a strong uh, position on this particular team because I don't know what they're going to be like. Um, and I'm also questioning... James Harden's commitment because what if something goes wrong and all of a sudden he throws up his hands in the sky and says I don't want to be here now there's a funny video going around yesterday uh when James Harden walked into the Clippers locker room and you saw Terrence man he was just looking at him like yo ooh, like all right whatever you saw Norman Powell sitting over there the only person that stood up was Russell Westbrook and people were like the only reason Russell Westbrook did that because he didn't want to he didn't want to make it awkward some people speculated that maybe he saw him already before that so I don't know but Thank you for listening to today's show. And don't forget to let us know what you think about today's show on iTunes or any of your favorite podcasting platforms.